A long time in the future in the Milky Way galaxy, it's the Vercozicast. Each month, join Nancy and Robin as they read through the Vercozican saga by Lois McMaster Bujold. From Borear to Jackson's Hole, from Cordelia to Miles, it's time to jump through a wormhole and explore the galactic nexus. Everyone, welcome to episode twelve of the Vorkosicast. I'm your host Nancy, and I'm your host Robin. Uh, today we're going to be discussing three stories about Miles's wedding, honeymoon, and marriage, which are winter fair gifts, diplomatic immunity, and the flowers of Vashnoi. And um, go ahead. Oh no, you go. <laughs> I I went and said what you were supposed to say. <laughs> we're doing that newscaster thing where you accidentally say what step on each other's yeah, yeah teleprompter. <laughs> it, it is a okay. Um, but Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, was two weeks ago, um, and we just want to thank you all for listening to this show over the past year. We've had a lot of fun, and uh, we like doing it every month. And we're glad that you're here with us. We are. We love these books and we love we sharing do. them with other people and i i literally just told someone else to read them Yay. like as we were beginning <laughs> <laughs> yes the indoctrination yep. yep try to get everyone to read them <laughs> i know uh it i'm i'm exci- i'm both sad and excited for this podcast to end because I, I, I can see this series being one that I reread, like, every... Several times again, yeah. Yeah, like, I reread, like, every few years, but I can pick and choose now which books I feel like reading, and, like, yep. I don't have to read them all straight through. I can be like, I feel like re- reading Borear, or I feel like reading A Civil Campaign. Right, and, we do, and you don't have to do one a month. Yes. <laughs> which has been great. It I has. mean, I front-loaded myself. A lot. I would read like three in a month yes, to start you did. with. Um, and now I'm basically after next month, I'm caught up. Yeah. I think that's right. What's funny is that I'm currently reading uh uh Captain Verpatrol's Alliance mm-hmm. and my Facebook memories from last year were me reading Captain Verpatrol's Alliance. <laughs> so apparently How funny. I read them at the same time. time. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't I didn't um continue on after Captain Verpatrol's Alliance for reasons that will be clear when we discuss Cryoburn. Uh, yes. and discuss I, it in I'm context. I'm not looking forward to Cryoburn, yeah. to be honest. And we discuss it in context with another with a movie that came out in December 2017. That'll be a big conversation of why I couldn't read Cryoburn. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, I already know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think probably most people who are listening to the po- this podcast and are fans of the series know what we're referring yeah. to, but they they yeah. We will not spoil other people who don't and we're not going to talk about it ahead of time and needlessly make ourselves depressed. Nope. So. We're going to talk about these three stories. And they're all lovely romantic stories. Mm. Well, for 
for the most part. I mean, there's romance in them, okay? Yes. Uh, We're going to have another setaganda problem with this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. So we can just, you know, speed through the things we didn't like as much. Exactly. Exactly. That was my whole plan. That was my master plan. I, it's masterful, really. <laughs> so let's get right into Winter Fair Gifts, which is Perfect. a, uh, I've seen it described as both a short story and a novella. I'll call it a novella because I think it's the same about the same lengths as Flowers of Vashnoi. Um, it was first published in February 20, 2004 as part of a collection called Irresistible Forces. Uh, it was nominated for a Hugo Award. And mm. it is available in the Miles in Love omnibus as well as a separate ebook, which is where you – well, if you go on Amazon and look for it, that's how you will buy it now. What else is in the Miles in Love omnibus? Um, it's uh, Komar and a Civil Campaign. It's mm, Komar, okay. a Civil Campaign, and Winter Fair Gifts. That's cute. Yeah. I like it's a, all those it's together. A, it's a good omnibus. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this story is Miles and a Katerin's wedding, uh, which I have to be really real. And this is one <laughs> of my fan? favorites. No, oh, I really enjoyed it. Yay, good. I, you know, weddings are my jam. Literally, and they're your job. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> they're your jam Every and your weekend, job. <laughs> I do a wedding and it was really nice to be able to, I don't know. I really enjoyed reading about somebody else's that I wasn't working on. Right. Um, but I also just really enjoyed the whole thing. Like, yeah. I, I really liked it. I like all of, well, I like Winter Fair Gifts and I like Flowers of Ashnoy. Mm-hmm. Diplomatic immunity is sort of meh for yeah. me. <laughs> um, oh, well. Yeah. So um, basically the the plot is is more straightforward in this uh, mainly because it's so short. Um, yep. But basically, we have guests arriving for Miles and Ekaterin's wedding. And as we know, we last saw them. They were engaged. They were very happy. Miles was thrilled and wanting to show off Ekaterin to everyone. No. Uh, they had discussed when they were going to get married. And they had originally said spring, but apparently that was pushed up to winter fair. Um, I... I I don't know if I support the idea of having a wedding in the winter, but I'm See, not I'd the Verkozigans. Like I personally like to have a wedding in the winter. Oh, see, not me because I don't like cold weather. Well, I, I you might a, not come to my wedding then. I, I will. <laughs> I had a wedding in really hot weather. You did. You, yes, you did. <laughs> Sorry. We were all sorts of sweat going on there yeah there was no sweating happening uh they had the wedding in the garden a Catherine's garden which was which is lovely. lovely and then they had the reception inside it was a small wedding which for the vacosigans means only like 125 people right of course i mean i guess i mean you're you're in weddings would you say that's a fair assessment for a someone the size of the vercozigan family <laughs> To have a I small mean, wedding honestly, of 125 people? Yes, a small wedding for somebody that well-placed is 125 people. That's about a regular, like, average person mm-hmm. wedding size. Ah, uh, okay. We see usually, like, 100 to 150 is Sheesh. pretty average. 
I wonder how many people Gregor had at his wedding. Oh my god, a thousand people. Uh, I th- did they say in the book? I can't remember. If they I don't said. remember. I but just remember they turned it into like a affair. Affair, and they had yeah. to have it outside because it's the only place where they'd have enough people without yep, everyone enough. dying of heat exhaustion. Yep. And then <laughs> didn't they eat butterbug ice cream or something? Yes, they did. Mm. <laughs> um so they are um you know they have guests arriving for the wedding and uh there are a contingent of dendari and former dendari um who are sh- who are who were invited uh they include uh Elena and Baz which is nice because Baz was previously not able to return to Burayar. Yep. Um, and they have their little daughter, which is very cute. Uh, who is, what was, her, what did they name her? Oh, I, I can't, can't remember. I can't remember if they named her Cordelia. Now I have to look Maybe. it up. Elena Bathari. All right. Come on, Verkozigan Wiki. Don't get me wrong. Blah blah blah. What's her what's her kid's name? Uh oh, yep, they had a daughter named Cordelia. Yay! Everyone should be named Cordelia. No, yeah. not everyone, because that would be confusing. Yes. But you know. The the Cordelkas have Delia instead of Cordelia, right. which is nice. Yes. <laughs> so um But so it's Elena and Baz. Uh, and Tara and Tara and Ard Mayhew, I think, are yes, the four. Yes, I forgot about Ard. Yes, yep. which is nice because Ard basically becomes pseudo babysitter because mm-hmm. all the kids want to talk to him about being a jump pilot, jump especially pilot. Nikki. Uh, and I just really love the fact that Ard Mayhew, who becomes like one of Miles's first recruits into the Dendari, mm-hmm. is the same pilot. Who flew yep. Cordelia to Briar, which I totally didn't pick up on until I read it somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, I, I've never picked up on that either." Yeah, yeah. You know what? Well, I, yeah. Ard's been around a long time, right? <laughs> oh boy. Um, so yeah, they are there for the wedding. Um, Ellie Quinn did not come. Uh, she which is, makes perfect sense yes. to me. She's busy admiraling. Also, you know ex showing up to your ex-boyfriend's wedding even at their invitation it's kind you of know, that can, yeah it can be a sticky situation yeah so she you know she sent a gift uh a cat blanket and a naughty limerick mm-hmm. which you know was very quinn and miles was happy to see it and you know it's all it's all very nice um tora is of course very out of place on Borear. Shocking. She's uh, like eight feet tall. Yeah. And Miles wants to make sure that she has the best time. He wants her to be Cinderella, basically. Because he also knows that she doesn't have a lot of time left. Right. And speaking of exes going to people's weddings. (laughs) Yes, true. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, Ekaterin is well aware of the situation with them, or I would have to have a talk with Miles. About being yes. honest with your wife. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, uh-uh, no. Nope. Um, Roik is there. This this whole story is told from Roik's point of view. Or um, how Roik. does Grover say it? Roik. Roik? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Roik is stinging from his out-of-uniform moment in a civil campaign. 
Which is too funny. It's, I mean, it's too funny. He's feeling very um, much like an imposter and needs to prove himself to the Verkozigans. And, uh, you know, he he's always felt out of place because he is not former Impsec or service at all. He yep, was and a, everybody else is. Yeah. And most most armsmen, even outside of the Verkozigans, are. Um and he was recruited from the municipal guard in Hasadar. How do they say that? Hasadar. Hasadar. Uh, because he, uh, like, stopped a crazed gunman with a needle, with a... Uh, Ooh, yep. What was it again? I think it was a... What's what's their... Uh, a needler? Nerve, di- nerve disruptor. Nerve disruptor. Yes. That's, so, yeah, he stopped a crazed gunman with a nerve disruptor, and Rohik's, uh you know, responses, well, you know, it was easier running towards him than running away. <laughs> so he, like, he is basically very much like, I was just doing my job. Um, but, you know, he was recommended to be an armsman when there was a open spot, and he feels like he has let down, you know, Lord Miles, or needs to, you know, make up for it. Right. Um, I really like getting his perspective and i like that she uses someone we don't really see very or hear from because it gives the story i mean it would be very easy to tell it from miles's point of view or a cataran's point of view right but i like having roic in there as a i don't know to set it off against the other right and this was written after diplomatic immunity and so he played a big part in that book. So right. it's like she was going back and being like, all right, let's tell the story of how he got back in, like, Miles's good graces. And it was a very big way. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Um, so Tora is attempting to blend into Borear, and of course she gets Lady Alice Vorpatrel's help, because who else do you get yeah, who to... Else? Dress bere- to dress women to the Berean style. Um, I mean, Alice is the only one I would trust, with right? It. And she is, as usual, completely poised. Nothing shocks her. Um, she takes Tora to a custom shop and like convinces her not to wear pink, and they get yep. her all dolled up, and it's lovely. And Roik comes back to pick them up and is like. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, they go out to lunch and she smiles at a little girl, and the little girl like screams and gets upset. And then Tora is just upset for the rest of the day, and it's really sad. And I feel bad for her because she was just trying to be nice. And yep, no but ma- she is eight feet tall and has fangs, and yeah. You know, it's not the. It, I feel terrible for her, but also as a small child, that's it is. It, yeah, that's that's scary. I mm-hmm. mean, my nieces and nephews are afraid of Mickey Mouse. So, like, <laughs> I mean, talking Mickey is very scary. Yes. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Roik um, and Tara end up going running together. Um, they ask Roic to go with her 
both to keep her company, but also like to make sure no one does anything bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and kind of like shield her from people being rude to her. Um, but instead, Roick ends up putting his foot in his mouth about mutants, and uh, oh, Roick! It's very, it's not, it's not great. Uh, it's disheartening. He realizes immediately his mistake, and um, but he really can't correct it because there's nothing he can say. <laughs> right. Um, so they kind of go their separate ways. And uh, Roik is feeling very bad about it. Um, he wakes up in the middle of the night and finds uh, Tora downstairs in the library, I believe, where all of the gifts are. Mm-hmm. Um, and earlier, when everyone arrived, they were looking at the gifts and, you know, that Ellie had sent the gift. And then she sent another gift. And it was these very beautiful pearls that Ekaterin tried on and she was going to wear at the wedding day. And they were like, oh, you know, it's weird that Ellie sent a second gift, but, you know, okay, that's nice. Maybe this was her trying to make up for the naughty limerick. Right. (laughs) Um, And Tora is picking up the, the necklace, which is basically like a string of pearls. And Roick is very upset because... He thinks that she is stealing, and it's one of Malord's old, uh, you know, service friends, and that's not going to be great to have to tell him about that. Yep. Uh, but meanwhile, Tora is having her own c- crisis because she, with her, you know, supervision, can see that there is something on the pearls, like a coating, like a. Yeah. Yeah. And Ekaterin has been not feel has been feeling unwell. And she she thinks that Ellie was trying to poison Ekaterin. Um, which is not great because she nope. Ellie is her admiral now. She obviously has a lot of respect for her. Um, and you know, Miles was her former admiral, and she has a lot of respect for him. And he does; she doesn't want to, you know, have to tell him anything bad about his former lover. Right. <laughs> it's a very bad situation to be in. Uh, so Tora explains what happened, and Ruick is like, and she's like, I just, I don't want to believe that. Ellie would do this and they're like well maybe she didn't do this you know maybe right. some there's something going on uh, so they call up Impsec they come take the pearls away analyze them and realize that there is uh, there are Jacksonian toxins on coating the necklace um, and they eventually uh pinpoint the plot on a Vor Lord who is angry at Miles for one of his auditorial decisions. That's not real surprising, knowing Miles. (laughs) It isn't, and it's also like, (laughs) like, it's like, I would imagine that after this happened, Miles is like, oh my god, like, everyone I know is in danger. 
because of my job and he probably had a crisis after it and a catter and had to smack him a few times. Had to like knock you talk him down from you three died. different ledges. You, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have died because of what my job and she's like, Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Which, which like I feel like a Katarin does a lot of that. Uh, yes, as we're going to talk about. In- yeah, that's fresh in my mind. And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, that's a different book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they talk about um, – so they end up having the wedding. And originally, I think it was Martia was supposed to be uh, – uh, a Katarin's oh, second. It, was it Kareen? Well, Kareen was not there. Kareen and Mark were not at the wedding. They were oh, on right. Beta Colony. So I think Martia was going to be it to stand in for Kareen um, since Kareen couldn't be there. Right. Um, so th- this changes and Tora ends up acting as a Katarin's second because she thwarted the plot and they're very grateful to her and also uh roic uh pim is basically like he cannot do enough for roic for you know saving the day and they all have this horrible thought of what Miles would be like if a Katarin had died on his wedding day. <laughs> because basically the toxins were so strong that if she had worn it for like the amount of time of the wedding, she would have died instantly. Yep. Um, and only because she just tried it on, like that made her that sick. Which is not great. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, they, the wedding is great. Um, I really appreciate the mention of Uncle Errol pulling Ivan aside and telling him in no uncertain terms there sh- are, there's going to be no funny business at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ivan, of course, agrees because you agree with Uncle Errol. Except, All the time. Except um, he arranges for a ice sculpture of two bunnies humping <laughs> placed near a bush. Because that's – no, I mean – he didn't say he couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love you, Ivan Vorpatrol. It's such an Ivan thing to do. And even Errol thought it was funny. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Good job, Ivan, for doing something funny that doesn't take away from the day. Right. Um, and the wedding is great. The reception is great. Uh, Roek gets, like, a week vacation. For his job well done, which yep. is good. Good job, Rook. What is he going to do with all that time? <laughs> He's going to hang out with Tara. Yeah, they hook up. Bound chicka bound. More than hanging out. Uh, so Rook has, you know, had his, uh, not fear, but I guess, um, barren prejudice against mutants, uh, destroyed thanks to tara <laughs> Yay. which will help him in the next book <laughs> <laughs> it will help him i think just in general yeah yeah so i very much liked this story it's very cute it's just if you need a little fun story to read this is a good one 
Yeah, this one and Flowers of Vashnoi. Yeah. As I mean, I actually read Flowers of Vashnoi today. Oh, While nice. I was sitting with my grandmother. Yeah. Um, she's not doing much but sleeping. Yeah. She had hip surgery, so she's just mm. sleeping. And mm. I just sat there and read it in like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's a quick read. Yeah. Um, but they're both really excellent little novellas if you need just a yep. something quick. And if you don't um, think of, dwell on the fact too much that a Katarin could have died. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if, yeah, a, no, if but, Tora but she had, didn't. Yeah, she, she didn't. didn't. She didn't. Thanks to Tora, who's great. Right. Yes. Yay, Tora. Good job, Tora. Um, and it's really sad to think that Tora, by the time of Flowers of Ashnoy, is probably passed away. No longer with us. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me sad. Yeah. Like, I mean, she is very much like past her life expectancy at this point anyway. Yep. So good job. Um, so yeah, that is one of our gifts. All right. It's now fun. let's talk quickly about diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we talked about Miles's wedding. Now we're going to talk yep. about his honeymoon, which of course in Miles. In true Miles fashion. Doesn't go the way of a honeymoon. So, nope. So, uh, Diplomatic Immunity was published in t- 2002. It was nominated for the Nebula Award in 2003, which I'm, you know, okay. <laughs> it's not my favorite book. I'm you know, not saying it wasn't worthy of It's not a, a bad book. Yeah. It's just... Like, it's not. The, the pacing and the structure is very odd to me. Um, and it's... It's... It's a book where I like parts of it a lot, and then parts of it I'm just, like, skimming, you know? Yep. Um, 100%. Yeah. So I did not realize this, but there is a prologue on her oh. website that uh, is from the perspective of Gupta, a.k.a. Guppy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's basically him getting out – or him uh, – him basically in his tank trying to not die. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I may have to go read that. Yeah. Um, so Miles and Ekaterin are on their honeymoon. They waited like a year to go on their honeymoon um, because they were busy. Um, so they, but they had agreed that they were going to start their babies in the uterine replicator, uh, a year after their wedding. So on their first anniversary. So basically they went, popped the babies in and then went on their honeymoon and had their, had a schedule to get back like six weeks before they were going to be popped out of the uterine replicator. Yep. Um, I, which is very convenient. I um, really approve of this method of cooking babies, and yep. am angry it does not exist in real life. <laughs> I would. I might have children if it were like that. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that for people like me who cannot have them, would this would make it a lot easier. Yep. Um, you know, because instead of you know having to go through infertility and. I- IVF and all of that, you can just have the the medics uh, put make an embryo and put it in the uterine replicator, and hopefully all goes well. Yep. <sighs> There's so much less trouble involved right. on so many you levels. You don't have any babies get poisoned from soul toxin? Nope, that's important. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, um, I very much approve of this and would like science to uh, get 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 on, Come on with it. Science. <laughs> get on. Science it, it up. Um, so they are on their way back from Earth, I believe. Um, and they get stopped by a fast courier. Um, it is a message from Gregor who wants Greg who wants Miles to investigate a case at Graf Station, which is located in Quaddy Space. Is Gregor requesting and requiring this? Of course he is. Because yep. uh you know, that's what Gregor does when he wants to politely order people to do things. Yep. I mean, yeah. And he knows that uh, Miles is on his honeymoon, so this has to be something important. Right, because he's not, I mean, he's his foster brother. He's yeah. not going to be like, hey, so I realize that you're on your honeymoon, but can you go, like, drop this off for me? Yeah. So this case involves a missing lieutenant uh, who's who was Solian. I, I, I lose track of all of their names. All the, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. Solian, a deserter jump pilot whose name I forget. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're not really that important. Yeah. Uh, conflict with the Barayarans who go to fetch the deserter. Impounded Kamaran cargo and angry Komaran business people. Right. And the reason that Gregor wants him to check it out mm -hmm. is that it could turn into a diplomatic disaster. Yes. It sounds all like nothing. It's like business problems. But you don't want your, you know, you don't ever want anything to become some sort of a diplomatic no. uh, kerfuffle. Especially when the fleet... Uh, is partly owned by uh, the Toscane family. family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. be very bad. Uh, mm -hmm. Gregor also notes that something has stirred up the Sitagandans around Rosetta, which is, again, Lois Masterbrugel telling you exactly what is going to happen in this book without telling you. Yep. <laughs> um, so this is a mystery story. Um, it's only from Miles' point of view, so he's gathering all the clues, and the true plot only reveals itself as he figures things out. Um, In that way, it's a very straightforward, like, mystery novel. Right. And that part of the story, I like. Like, I mm -hmm. basically like everything in this book up to about 70%. 65 70%. <laughs> um, so... Miles and Ekaterin, um, so as we said, Miles and Ekaterin are about to become parents, and parenthood is a theme of this book. Yep. <laughs> um, this is a very, that is a theme of this book, um, and not the next book, but the next book that came out publishing-wise, uh, Cryoburn, uh, as you can probably tell from the story, Death is the theme of that book. Right. Cryoburn being, you know, cryo revival and all of that. So, um, it, you know, it, I, I, I appreciate that she does very well with themes in the Virgo mm -hmm. saga. They're all, they're all very straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really love when they talk about, um, how many children Miles and Ekaterin were going to have and that, 
<laughs> Miles originally suggested 12. And then he's like, I wasn't serious about that. I just said it so I could get them down to six. <laughs> Even six children sounds right. like too many. Right. I mean, they end up having four total, which, right. yeah. So they start out with two, which, again, I know. Why do you do that to yourselves? Miles, well, yeah. Miles' my- whole idea is like, well, you know, hey. Get it do- over with. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah. So let me tell you about the reality of that. (laughs) My sister has two children that are 18 months apart. Oh, God. And the reality is that you are always outnumbered. Mm Mm-hmm. Constantly. They they act very much like twins. (laughs) They're close enough in age. And, like, you need four adults (laughs) to watch two toddlers. Yeah. Uh, Miles has no idea. No. So this is something that happens in Captain of Perpetual's Alliance, but it's relative here, so or relevant here. <laughs> when they, it may also be relative here. Yeah, Who knows? It is relative here. When Ivan and Tej and Rish go to Ver- uh, Verkozikin house, mm-hmm. and... They're like, you know, Miles is like, I thought it, you know, we'd be one adult per toddler, but they sleep in shifts trying to wear us down. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And I love Ivan's like, oh, God, they're moving on their own. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. Um, the whole, the, this whole book, I'm just thinking of Miles Verkozigan being a father and it's terrifying. It's utterly mm-hmm. terrifying. <laughs> I'm like, who gave him, who let him do that? <laughs> uh, it's only because a Katarine is there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't trust Miles with children if he, if a Katarine hadn't been oh, God, no. his wife. It would be terrible. They'd all be dead already. (laughs) So, um, they uh, they go to uh, Graf Station, um, to sort of where the Quaddies live. Yes, and the Quaddies are featured in the novel Falling Free, which we did not read. But but we but we did read the one with Nicole. We did, and Nicole is in this book, as is Belthorn. Belthorn, yay! We love Belthorn. We do. Um, and it is very nice to see Belthorn because the last we saw Belthorn, uh, Bell was disgraced after um the whole leading the uh, raid and getting Miles killed. Mark and yeah. 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 Not good. Not good. Um he uh, uh, Miles knew that he had to um you know kick Bell out of the Dendari mercenaries even though he didn't want to. Bell knew that had to happen as well. Uh they Yeah, sh- Bell was very pragmatic about it. Right. But it was, you know, it was sad like yeah. that was Bell's life and Bell was very good at its job um so yeah um they shared a kiss <laughs> no yes kind they of did awkward in retrospect <laughs> <laughs> especially when like miles is thinking like oh 
I regret not consummating things with Belle or going for it with Belle. And I'm like, no, Miles, stop it. Your wife is right there. You don't need to regret that. Uh, Sometimes Miles just needs a smack in the face. (laughs) And this is one of them. But Belle is very happy. Belle is Portmaster Thorn now. Belle is living with Nicole. They are planning to have a their family. own children. They decide they decided they're gonna start with a quaddy girl like Nicole. It's very no. cute. Um because they could have like they could have uh, downsider children, they could have quaddy children, they could also have er- herms or yep. Uh, boy, you know, boys are girls, so they have a lot so of they options. have a lot of choices. Yes. <laughs> um. So, uh, Bell or Miles realizes that Bell is can kind of be his insider onto what's mm-hmm. happening in the station. So they end up getting loaned, and they both have this Joyce reunion, and it's really sweet. Um, and you know, Belle agrees that he'll try to help out Miles as much as they can. And um, they uh, end up going to see a ballet, which is actually which the plot sa- of it, Falling Free. <laughs> it, but you know what it reminded me of? Mm-hmm. It reminded me of in Star Wars when they go to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> the cal- you know what I mean. Yes. The calamari <laughs> ballet in Revenge yes. of the Sith. Do you yes. do you know what the name of that ballet is? I don't. It has a name. Oh lordy. It's called Squid Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Squid Lake. Yes. <laughs> That's really funny. Right? Look it up on Wikipedia, folks. I'm going to have to go watch Squid Lake after we get done here. <laughs> I know. I wanted, I wanted like, Miles to look over at Belle and be like, have you ever heard the heard of Squid Lake? Of, of, of Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's too- <laughs> Uh, oh that's too funny but like this is one of those scenes that kind of like frustrated me because it there there was a point for it Mm -hmm. um because we find out later on that they've the the antagonist has planted a bomb in the theater and right. there's tons of people that go to the theater, like quaddies and downsiders and all that, and it would be disastrous. But it didn't need to ha- be such a long chapter for that to be foreshadowed, you know? Right. Um, it did feel very long. Yeah, it was very long. Um, and uh, so we meet uh, Garnet Five. Who is <laughs> the funniest? Yeah. I know they explain the naming conventions. They do, but I still yeah. like Garnet Five. So Garnet Five is the news. She's a dancer. No, she's a, she's a dancer who was injured when the Breyerns came to fetch their jump pilot, mm-hmm. and um, so you know that was a problem because they injured a very famous dancer (laughs) yep uh and um so miles is there basically trying to make nice with her and you know all of that um so it seems like the case is not necessarily straightforward 
But Miles is trying to unravel all these pieces and, you know, question everyone. And you fi- you f- figure, okay, he's going to be there for a while and he's going to figure out what's going to happen because that's what Miles does. Uh, however, the case quickly morphs out of control when Miles, Bell, and another Erm are attacked uh, with a bolt thrower, I think? With, like, a rivet <laughs> a gun. A rivet gun, basically. Yes, a rivet mm-hmm. gun. Uh, and Miles is nearly killed. Bell's, you know, they're all nearly killed. Um, it's only because Miles and Bell have military training and scan the room whenever they enter the room mm-hmm. um, that they were able to see this uh, person attacking them. Um so all of the quadi, um, the quadi uh, security forces show up. They're, of course, very concerned about what is happening. Um, uh, they end. Uh, it turns out that the Herm is not in a, a. How do they say? How does Grover say it? Is it? They say Herm. Herm. Okay, so they do yeah. say the H. Yes. Not yes. Erm. Okay, so the Herm. <laughs> not not like the Eddie Herb sketch. Yeah. Not because like- yeah. No. <laughs> so they say Herm. Yes. So it turns out that the Herm isn't an Herm. That's hard to say. Uh, I would a Herm. A Herm. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> a Herm, but a Ba. But a Ba. Uh, which we know the Ba. From the from novel Setaganda. Um, and the Ba is not carrying animal replicators in the Komaran ship, but, but instead, the entire freaking Star Crush. Which we also learn what it is from Setaganda. Right. Uh, so they find uh, Guppy. <laughs> they call him Guppy. His name is Gupta. Uh, but he is the Jacksonian who attacked them with the rivet gum. Uh, and, and they track him down. Yeah. So Guppy was not out to kill Miles or Bell. Guppy wanted to kill the Ba, whose name uh, Guppy knows as Kerr du Bauer. Um, Guppy tells his story that this guy du Bauer or hijacked a ship and melted his crewmates with some sort of disease. Guppy only survived by going into his tank. He is some sort of Jacksonian uh, creation. He He has has gills. gills. Yeah. It's, it's Jacksonian. It's very Jacksonian. Uh, I, I this this book com- combines a lot of the things in the Varkosigan saga I don't like, like yep. Sidigandans and Jacksonians. Yep. I don't like all of the genetic manipulation stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not my favorite. Like it just not that it doesn't bother me in a way that like it it doesn't weird me out. It just doesn't <coughs> catch my attention in terms of <coughs> this storytelling. Oh, don't die. I'm not. I just okay. drink <coughs> I drink water. <laughs> you you drowning yourself? Yep, I'm drowning myself. Guppy, guppy. <laughs> you talk for a minute. I'm gonna do my okay. Do my so, cough switch. <laughs> okay. So, Guppy only survived this melting by um, uh, basically hibernating in his water tank, and when he came out, his entire crew had been literally melted. 
So he's been after Dubauer uh, for whatever that, I don't know what that length of time was. And then as all this is happening, Belle goes missing. And that is very bad. That is terrible. Um, so all of the, the melting reminds me of um, the Grandmaster in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, melt yep. stick. Yep. <laughs> when they're like, uh, why are we having the melt stick? That's not a capital offense. <laughs> <laughs> it is sort of like that. Yeah. There's um, also except no sticks involved. Yeah. There's also a, a some in um if you've read Phasma, uh the Star Wars novel, mm-hmm. there is a beetle that bites people and basically liquefies them. Oh. Yeah. That's so, nice. Very, very similar thing happening. I mean, that's sort of what Ebola does in the real world. <laughs> so oh, no. this is not so without this is, precedent. So this is space Ebola? Yes. Ugh. No, tuna. Mm-hmm. do not want. Do not contract this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, Belle does contract this. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And he um, has been purposely poisoned. Yes. They So they look all over for Belle. And Miles does his super detective, crazy deductive analysis thing. Where and realizes that Belle is in the Idris, which is the ship where Debauer had its uh, it's the star crush, yes, yeah. Um, and Belle has been infected, it's Belle is in a bod pod, which is awful, (laughs) and but also kind of cool. I mean, the name is terrible, but the concept is kind of cool. Yeah. So you basically put yourself in a bod pod and it's like an escape pod where you don't have to do anything or fly and then you'll get picked up. But it's mm-hmm. also like being in a coffin, like Ray's escape pod in The Last Jedi, which I hate. Why? 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 Yeah. Well, that's a different podcast, though. <laughs> it's, it's a, I know. Why would you go into that? I don't know. I thought of the bod pods as sort of like almost like the Cetaganded bubbles. Oh, yeah. But inflatable, mm-hmm. you know, because um, they talk about that they're inflatable. Yes. So to me, they just in my brain, they were like, I wonder if giant they can glowing eggs. I wonder if they could land on planets like the way the Mars rovers land on planets where they bounce. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just uncontrollably bounce yes. across the planet surface. Yes. <laughs> that would be an interesting way to do it for sure. Right? right? Okay. So, um hmm. <laughs> now I am I'm imagining this happening and it's <laughs> Uh, okay mm. so um so they get they go on the ship miles has this idea to uh put bell in like an ice bath um Mm -hmm. and it's sparked by guppy's tank and also uh ivan throwing him in an ice bath when he was suicidal in memory (laughs) which was a, a nice callback Yep. Um, so, uh, oh, so one thing we didn't mention that I want to mention is uh, that the Admiral, who's in charge of the Briaran fleet, uh, is a Vorpatrol. Is Vorpat- Admiral Vorpatrol, 
which I think is very nice to get some, uh, get, get a, to see some of the Rapatrols who are not Ivan. Because unlike Miles' family, there are a lot of Rapatrols out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, it's nice to see, to see one of them here. And it, it, it kind of makes the story feel a little smaller because so many of the characters we don't, we haven't We don't met. know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's a nice little bit of familiarity there. Um, so <laughs> they, Miles, Bill, all of the med techs, the, the Brayern soldiers who Miles has recruited from Verpatrol's fleet, all get trapped on the Idris with the Ba who is inside. Um, Miles gets, sees, like, a suit outside the ship and uses, like, remote controls to bring it in. Um, but the Ba has coded the, uh, controls, controls with the disease and Miles bum, bum, bum. contracts it. Uh, it's really creepy. I don't like it at all. Like, his gloves start sloughing off. And thankfully, they thankfully the med techs yep. find out that like everything is melting. Yes. So thankfully, the med techs realize that the, you cannot, um, that you cannot, uh, like contract this just from the air. You have to like touch it. So that's good. You have to touch it or ingest it. Yes. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Because otherwise, everyone would be dying. So, uh, Miles falls victim to the disease, but of course, he's Miles, so, so he, he, he's not gonna just go in a bath, he's gonna no. figure out what happened. He's gotta fix everything yeah. first, and then nearly die. Yes. So that's he, how Miles works. He calls a Katerin, and has this really heartfelt conversation with her, and her response is to yell at him and be like, Miles Rakozigan, you are not making me a widow out here. You better come back or I will kill you myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I freaking love her. I, I love, love Ekaterin. I just love her. And Miles is like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I love how later when Miles is figuring out everything that happens and like, what is what the boss plan actually is like like Verpatrol is like what the hell is going on and Katarin's like shh he's thinking he does this sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so Miles figures out that the bot is a renegade agent out to steal the star crush and frame Borear sparking intergalactic war right um, because apparently the ba was a was loyal to the Empress Lisbeth, who died. That's what set off. Set Aganda. That was right. her funeral that they went to. So he was loyal to her and her plot to. Vision. Yeah, her vision for the Star Crush, which they thwarted in that book. Um, Miles uses his old contacts. To explain what is going on before he succumbs to the illness. So uh, he's he's saying, I have to do this because I, like, we don't want war with the Cetagandans. No, no one wants war Nobody with the Cetagandans. Wants that. <laughs> no, no mm-hmm. not even the Cetagandans want that. 
Nope. Um, so yeah, they basically he pl- he planted evidence in Vorbar Vorbar Sultana. So <laughs> Vorbar. Is I hate a hard saying word. that. Like, and it's weird because Varbara is not hard to say, but Vorbar but Vorbar is. Sultana is. Yeah, like I don't know why Varbara is fine, but Vorbar. Because it feels mm. like there should be something on the end of that. Yep. Um, so of course Miles is contacting uh Pell and uh Ryan and all of the people he met in Cedaganda. Um, right. So he wakes up on Rosetta, uh, or orbiting Rosetta, where he and Bell have been cured. Somewhat, uh, Miles still uses a cane after this, uh, up until the time of uh, Flowers of Ashnoy. I mm-hmm. don't know about Cryerborn because I haven't read it yet, <laughs> but um, it's... We're going to get there soon yeah, enough. It, from, from what it is led to believe his lifespan has been shortened because of this illness, but thankfully he did not die. No. Nope. Um, so uh, the Hote ladies reward them for returning the babies in the Star Crash. Uh, they have this ceremony on Rosetta, which is like, you know, a really big honor for them to go there. And Miles gives a genetic sample to the Star Crash. Which is like the biggest deal. Yes. Uh, yeah, he had to have a chat with a cataran about it and, you know, realize that the whole, the whole ladies are going to be using my genes to make some babies. I hope you're okay with they this. they want some babies of me. Yeah, well, I mean, he's really smart. I can understand he why. He saved them twice, basically. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, so, I like this book. It's not my favorite. I doubt I'll read it again unless I'm doing mm-hmm. an entire read through. Um, I I like all the parts with Bell and Miles and Ekaterin and all the stuff about him being a dad. The epilogue is lovely and like oh it makes me want to cry and I love like grandmother Cordelia. Yes, like, I love. Her. I just love everything about Cordelia and um. I want to be Cordelia when I grow up. <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, once they get trapped on the Idris, like, there is a lot of time left in the book. And that part just seems to stretch so much. And it should really be, like, the climax of the book. So when I was reading it this time, I skimmed a lot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, 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 here's Miles figuring out what is happening. Okay, 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 here is this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, like, the pacing just seems really off. And, like, the stuff when they're on the station, okay, it's not necessarily my favorite, but I, you know, it's, it, it just seems like the pacing is off. Yeah, I don't know. I it wasn't I sort of feel like I felt about Cedaganda. It took yes. forever for me to get into it. And then mm-hmm. at the very end I was like, "Oh, now I'm interested." And it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so okay. So yeah, I am so I just opened Diplomatic Immunity on my Kindle app. And mm-hmm. they find Bell in the bod pod at 65% through the book. Right. And that's 
right before that is about where I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. But that first 55, 60%, I was like, I, this is never going to end. Yeah. I don't care. I don't know what the boss name is. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I just, the setup took too long for the payoff. Right. For me. And, and then like the payoff ended up taking too long for me. (laughs) Like it just, it just became a different book at that point. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have to read it again. And and look, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not a book that I had to slog through. I mean, there, I have, we've all read some of those, particularly in college or high yeah. school where you're like, oh my God. I will say they're the they're worst. There are no bad bad books in this no, in this series. Not at all. There's but just when when the quality of things when you're looking at a series and the quality is like um <laughs> a civil campaign. Yeah. Or Brayar. Brayar or it, for me, I love Captain Vorpatrol's Alliance, mm-hmm. but I like romance novels and yeah. it, it's definitively like a romance <laughs> novel. Um, like, well, I will, I will tell you that I am currently, um, 66% of Captain Vorpatrol's Alliance. Mm-hmm. And are you I liking am, it better? Yes. But okay. I feel like I'm going to have the same problem with diplomat as I did with diplomatic immunity because once they get to like the main climax, I feel like mm-hmm. oh my god, this is taking so long. I Stop don't, I, and I wonder if it's an effective. <laughs> I was listening to it rather than reading it, and Maybe. sometimes that helps, sometimes it hurts. Yeah, but like I don't know, getting to the climax, and I don't want to spoil anything, but <laughs> but the IMSEC headquarters just. <laughs> yeah. I laughed. Yeah. For like 20 minutes straight. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that next month. We sh- uh, we sure are. Ooh, we're going to start the year with Ivan Vorpatrol. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will really the end of this month it should be. So no. we can end well, end 2018 with 18 Ivan with Vorpatrol. Ivan Vorpatrol. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how yeah. that scheduling works out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll happen. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, there's tie-ins in this book to a lot of the rest of the series. There's Falling yep. Free, Cetaganda, Labyrinth, where we meet Nicole, and Mirror Dance, of course, where Belle gets kicked out of the Dundari. Um, yep. I really do like that Miles and Belle are able to put aside that incident. Um, mm-hmm. I think they both really needed this. Uh, yeah, they needed some healing about yeah. that. And I really hope that Belle and Nicole are happy. Oh, that, gosh, yes. Um, we Belle has actually been working for IMSEC as an informant because... Um, they couldn't just l- let Belle let go, go running around, you know? Right, right. So, um, yeah, Belle's been basically been working as an informer. And Belle wants to, like, be rid of this so he can take a citizenship oath and join the quaddies permanently. Yep. Um, and I imagine at the end of this, he does get to do that. <laughs> yep. I would like to think that they just live happily um, ever after yeah. and have all the babies that they want. Yes. You know. Um, I do like that this book sort of makes the Verkozigan saga larger. Um, you know, we start with Borear and mm-hmm. 
really, it's just Berear and Escobar and Beta Colony are sort of the only, um, like, players in the first book. And then mm-hmm. and then the second book is really just all Berear. Uh, well, yes. We, hit, we hear about the Cetagandans. Uh, we eventually end up learning more about the galactic nexus as a whole but like the quadi space is really out in the middle of nowhere um and it just makes it like really out in the middle of nowhere yeah and purposefully because like the quadis were created by a corporation who then were trying to classify them as medical waste so they could kill them all when grav generators were created and the quadis were no longer needed um so it makes the universe feel a lot bigger, which I really appreciate. Um, yep. There's so much in this universe that's unexplored. Um, and it just, like, like she could write so many books about all different places in the galactic nexus. Yep. Um, and all different characters. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Miles and Ekaterin become parents. They, have, they open up, they crack open those replicators they when they do get home. At the same time. Oh. Uh, yep. One on one on each end. One one holding each lever. It's it's great. Um, they have a boy named Errol Alexander, who they end up calling Sasha. Uh, yes. which apparently Sasha is a Russian a nickname, nickname for Alexander, yep. which is yep. weird. <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm sure it has something to do. I'm sure there's some linguistic thing for it. I yeah. could ask. Um, my ex-husband lived in Russia for a number ah. of years and speaks fluent Russian. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I learned a lot about it. And now it's been his Russian has only come in handy to help me with choral pieces and <laughs> translating them and helping me pronounce them. Nice. So it could come in handy for this, too. Yeah. Um so they, but I'm sure there's some sort of linguistic right. reason for that. Right. So they, yeah, they have Errol Alexander, which, of course, you know, they have the Brian naming conventions of naming the firstborn son after the, the grandfather, the grandfathers. Uh, so Errol was Miles's dad's name and Alexander was Ekaterin's uh, uh, father's name, I'm assuming. That's how it works. Yeah, because it's not anybody else's in Miles' family. Yeah. Um, And they have a girl named Helen Natalia. Uh, And Helen is the professor's name. Yes. I love love it. That's lovely. Helen Helen Natalia is hard to say without it becoming a single word. (laughs) Right. Um, So I love that they're parents now. Um, I know Lois has said she doesn't necessarily have any stories for any more Verkozigan stories to write. Um, <laughs> but I would kill, kill for a next gen novel. <sighs> yes. Yeah. The further adventures of Helen and Talia. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, imagine how hard it is for Miles to live up to Piotr and his father and miles's children having to live up to him <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, I, I can't even imagine and i would love for it to be from helen's point of view mm-hmm. because like being a Verkozigan girl like 
you're not only living up to your father, but you're also living up to your grandmother, who basically changed the, the whole, whole planet. face of right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I read a fanfic once <laughs> about Helen Natalia, and she ended up becoming the first female countess, first female <gasps> count. <laughs> Are you okay? That <coughs> made me gasp so hard. I'm dying. Oh no! Don't die. <coughs> no, no. You talk. No, okay, Robin. Now it's your needs, turn. No, Robin needs the coughing. But yeah, so her and her brother, like her brother, was supposed to come back to Briar to learn the ropes because Miles was getting sicker and sicker, um, and he did not want to be a, the count. Like he, he had gotten into the Baton astronomical survey for like a five-year thing and was like really super excited about it and helen meanwhile (laughs) had been on barrier and had like been helping her father and was really like in like basically like how how donna verutier was Mm -hmm. um and you know helen you know decides well hey uh i shouldn't have to go to beta colony and get a a right. sex reassignment surgery. Uh, I should be able to just be count as Helen Natalia Vargas again, because my dad wants me to be the heir, and why shouldn't I be the heir? So Miles goes. I mean, and- really, why shouldn't you be? Yeah, right. So Miles goes and petitions for her to be named the heir. They agree, and then yep, she ends up becoming the first female count. I love that. I know. And now I want it to actually happen. But then mm-hmm. if it does happen, people will be like, oh, Lois from Casper Schultz stole from fanfic. <laughs> right. That's hard. I know. Right. But it would be so good. It would be so good. It I want, would. I want I would someone in the next generation to become a f- female count, like, or something. <laughs> like, first female something. First female in the military. First female imperial auditor whatever you're right somewhere anywhere it needs to happen um can i say my favorite part of this whole book the the part that made the entire book worth it Mm. uh so miles has been sort of out of communication and he finally calls back admiral verpatrol and admiral (laughs) verpatrol yells verkozigan you idiot (laughs) where have you been And it's more Kozigan, you idiot. It's just like just desserts. Like somewhere Ivan Verpatrol just got a really big grin and he doesn't know why. He just got really happy. It he doesn't understand why. It's fine. But yeah, it's because someone called Miles Verkozigan, you idiot. Yep. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, that is Diplomatic Immunity. It's a Yay, book. Yay, we did it. It's a book in the Verkozigan series, which we are not. It's not our favorite. But that's right. okay. I'm sort of indifferent about it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Flowers of Ashenway. Let's do it, because I genuinely liked this one. Yeah. So um this is a very this is very easy publishing info. It was published this year in May. <laughs> as an ebook. Yes. <laughs> um and i've been meaning to read it since then yep <laughs> and i finally read it today yep. so it's fresh in my mind yes so uh it was published uh may i was very surprised because um i didn't think she was writing any more stories and then oh hey I'm, yeah. oh I'm, look yep yeah. 
I'm putting this uh this book out. And I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> um so uh it's was an ebook format originally, now it's an audiobook and print. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So uh this plot is very straightforward. Yes. Um they are using the butterbugs, which they have renamed radbugs, to clear radioactive land in the Vashnoi district. Or try to, at least. Yes. They, they think they can get the bugs to eat the radioactive material and then make the waste and they can, like, like basically it'll eat the waste and then they will be able to sort of dispose of it better and it will make... Somehow better. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, Ekaterin has this whole idea of Vashnoi being a garden and future generations saying, wasn't Vashnoi always a garden? Uh, and it just I mean, me that's happy. my dream, really. <laughs> right. I think Ekaterin and I would get along very well. I am Ekaterin, so... <laughs> and <laughs> well, we get I along mean, well? I guess that's true. Yes. I guess it's true. <laughs> I just like plants more than you do. <laughs> yes, very much so. It's okay. Um, Not everyone can like plants like that. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ekaterin, oh, excuse oh. me. So, Ekaterin, Miles, uh, Enrique, and the ranger, the district ranger, Vadim, go to the test plot in the Vashnoi area. Um, and unfortunately, there are missing bugs. And Enrique is very upset because. Those are his babies. And they can't figure out. First, they think maybe some feral chicken ate them. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know is comical to me to yes. think of these chickens like hopping the fence. Radioactive like, chickens, too. Radioactive chickens hopping the fence yeah. and eating these giant glowing but I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, very the funny. Yeah, have the trefoil symbol on the back of them glowing. And they like glow yeah. brightly. Yeah. They don't just sort of, it's not like just a glimmer. No. From. It's like they light up. Right? Uh, So while they're there, Miles thinks he sees a wood elf, which Mm -hmm. is some Berearan creature. And, of course, they're like, there's nothing there. And Vadim goes off to check it out. And he comes back. He's like, there's nothing there. It must be Trick of the Twilight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go back. Liar. Sorry. Yes. He's, yeah. He's a liar. <laughs> so they end up setting up cameras to sort of to catch the thief. Um, and they do. They see this boy who is an albino boy uh, go in and take not only the rad bugs, but like stuff in their tools yeah and he goes and looks at the camera and licks it (laughs) uh but can't figure out how to get it down uh and he probably would have taken the ladder if he could have carried it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they they couldn't figure out how to get it away with him yeah so um this is this they see this happening and a katarin and enrique go out to like see who they who see if they can catch the person mm-hmm. uh and they're not know if that they don't know if this is gonna actually happen because it's like an hour away uh from hasadar but hasadar but they they go try anyway and they end up finding this homestead in the middle of the vashnoi zone which as a reminder is it still radioactive <laughs> 
Yep. Uh, it doesn't glow anymore, but it's still not safe. Um, so there is a girl named Jadwiga. Uh, there's a boy named Ingi, who is the wood elf. The, yes. <laughs> um, they talk to, and, and uh, Katarin and, uh, Katarin mostly, ends up talking to them and explains, like, what they're doing with the bugs and... Uh, Jadwiga, she knows stuff that's going on in the planet. Like, she knows who the Muti Lord is. Like, she calls mm-hmm. him that, and she's like, so you're his wife, you know? So they obviously know stuff that's going on. They're not completely, like, isolated. Um, but, you know, Jadwiga is, you know, has a huge goiter. Goiter. Um, she is, you know, obviously has mutations. Uh, Ingi is, you know, an albino and has other issues um and they find this graveyard outside uh with like dozens of children skulls yeah like it's gruesome individual tiny little skulls set on sticks yeah (laughs) i mean i'm sorry it kind of feels very the mummy return it makes me i'm sorry i'm laughing because i'm thinking of eddie izzard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want a rack of babies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got babies on spike. Babies on spike. Like, I'm sorry. It's not funny, but go watch but Eddie Izzard Dress to Kill. You, yep. I um, mean, I think that should be required viewing. Yes, 100%. Anyway. <laughs> so, Katerin, like, she takes off her, the the helmet of her rad suit to talk to them. Um, mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, stay in the hospital after this. But, you know, she gets them talking to her and trusting her. And they basically figure out that um, this house, I, not belongs to, but uh, the people who live there are Ma Roga. And she's sort of like the maternal figure. Um, and... Basically, all the parents who did not want their mutated babies would, instead of killing them, they came and brought them to her. Well, I think what they did, I mean, maybe I misread it because I did just read it today, but it sounds like it's the same practice of, like, a changeling child. Mm. So you leave it out and expose it, and the fairies take it away. Uh, yeah. And they should bring back your real baby. But obviously they don't. So she takes um, them, and so she takes the and baby, and they them. just say that the fairies have taken okay. it. Okay, and she that's ran. an old, old. Um, I mean, that would make sense because so much of Briar folklore is based on Earth folklore, other folklore, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So I mean, and like, there's a good Baba Yaga reference in there. Yes. Too. I was like, <laughs> I didn't realize that Baba Yaga was a real folklore thing until oh, yeah. recently. And I'm She's, like, oh, man, why didn't I know about this? Uh, we, I sang a song about her in a children's choir circa oh, 1994. Um, we sang lots of weird things. <laughs> we, we one time sang a song that the lyrics were, my uncle lives in an acorn. He <laughs> likes to live that way. Okay. So, well, you know, I, whatever we were just spoke. singing lots of weird, <laughs> weird things. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Baba Yaga just sounds like an evil lady. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she's a witch mm-hmm. with oh, no. a house on chicken legs. But I mean, just the name. Just the oh, name. Yeah. Baba Yaga. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, so, in this way, 
I will say that her taking in these babies and raising them is, you know, an honorable thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. But, but she is not an honorable person, as we find out. Uh, no, uh, but also she knew that she could have taken them mm-hmm. somewhere. Right. Like, this woman has yes. known about the outside world. Yes. She could have helped these children. Exactly. So in and one she way. she chose not to. In one way, she takes them and makes sure they don't die, like, mm-hmm. of exposure, or that the parents <laughs> kill them. But she doesn't bring them out to the to get help because she is alone in in the inclusion zone and wants them there to be with her yep Um, it's very selfish it's very selfish i mean as we get to the end she demonstrates the most selfish yeah behavior yeah um um so my uh, Ma Roga comes back with Boris, who, as we find out, is her real, her, her biological son. son. Um, and she tells Ekaterine her story. She was sort of a band of these marauders who went around yep. the district, like, committing crimes and killing people. <laughs> so, again, not that great of a person. Not a nice person. Nope. And um, they were caught, and she was pregnant at the time. So basically, Piotr let her stay there in the right. in the in the district. Now, of course, this is all coming from Ma Roga, so she could be lying. Like we don't actually know what what Piotr actually did if she ever met the Count Piotr, right? Uh, but. We only have her word. Um, so, but that was custom, though, right? Like they say, they talk about how it was. You know, they kept after um, Vashnoi was destroyed. Uh-huh. People kept trying to get back in. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, we can't shoot them to prevent them from dying. That's mm-hmm. dumb." Um, so they let anybody over sixty that wanted to go back, right. they could go back. Right. So it was sort of accepted practice to let older people just like live out their days there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so whether he actually said to her she could stay or not is yeah. up for debate. But it was just a common practice, right, amongst the rangers and rangers, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Suddenly that word um, was just wrong in my head. Right. So what we. Uh, what we also learn is that Vadim is the ranger has been helping them. Yes. Uh, Vadim is Jadwiga's brother. Um, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that he is, he is her older brother. Um, so he has been looking out for them and bringing them food and making sure they don't get caught. Um, which, you know, is very admirable, but also, you know, he he could have tried to get them help. <laughs> and he's also been lying, and that's going to cost him his job. Right. So, so Ekaterin, uh, Ekaterin just tries to encourage them to leave. 
and they say they have to take the kids. Like, Maroga can stay there, but they can't leave the kids there. Like, it would be wrong. Uh, Maroga does not take this very well and tries to set the homestead on fire while everyone is inside. Because um, she says they're not going to take them away from her and they're all just going to die instead. Right. Yeah, not that great. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> because that's the most logical step. Right. Mm-hmm. So they end up all in Hasadar. Ekaterin is getting treated for radiation. Uh, Miles is, of course, super worried, but he comes in and he there. she's like, everything's fine. I'll just, you know, stay here overnight. And, you know, it's it's fine. You know, their their radiation treatments are great <laughs> on right. Breyer, at least. Yep. Um, and they they deal with it in like um, a day, right? Yeah. Um, so Jedwiga and Ingi are there. The doctors are going to evaluate them to see what they can do. I believe Boris is also being treated. Uh, Maroga is uh, in, you know. Not in prison, but she's in under observation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to figure out what they're going to do with her. And they really don't really come to any sort of good conclusion. Like, do they send her back there so she can do this again? Do they make her, um, you know, do they send her to jail? Do they make her acclimate to the outside world? Like, they're all not great solutions. Right. Um, you know, the kids hopefully will, you know, acclimate. They're going to try to get them to work at the Butterbug Ranch with Enrique and Martia. Uh, Which sounds fun. Yeah. And all of the animals that they had at the homestead are going to go there, too. Um, you know, th- that I know. I was really worried about the ponies and the goats. I'm yeah. not going to lie. So was Jadwiga. And that's why she didn't want to leave because they would, you know, the rangers are instructed to kill all the feral animals because they're, right, they've, and, and it, it's understandable right. because they're irradiated, you know? Um, right. And they're just going to die a horrible death, particularly domesticated animals, because they're not going to be able to fend for themselves. Right. Yeah. You can't just turn them loose and be like, okay, animal we've had for 15 years that's never hunted for itself. Right. Go for it. Yeah. We'll just start. And also, like, if someone get you know, stumbles upon them or if they leave the zone, like, then that's going to be a problem. That's also a problem. Yeah. Sammy is going to get discharged from the Rangers for reaching his lifetime limit of radiation and probably also work at the Butterbug Ranch. (laughs) Uh, which is so everyone the, just gets moved yeah. to the but moved to the Butterbug Ranch, which and, is fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's basically the story. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, there's I did too. Tie into the ins- to there's tie into a civil campaign, like because we get Enrique and the Radbugs. I really like Enrique in the story. Like he's still mm-hmm. like Enrique Borgos, but he's also like definitely become less zany <laughs> right i think uh, well he's married to martia now right and i think that's uh calmed him down a bit him down a yeah. little bit yeah and he's also like you know he he's 
there are moments when he freaks out with the with Jadwiga and Ingi because they stole his bugs, but he also like bites his tongue a lot and is polite around them and like is, he's the one who comes up with the idea to bring the animals to the Butterbug Ranch because if they know that the animals are okay, they are gonna leave. Right. Um, I really love that for once a Katarin gets to worry Miles. Yes. <laughs> and that this is really like her coming into her own as Lady Vrokozigan. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, she's always been super smart and able to stand up for herself. But like, you know, Lady Vrokozigan isn't just like her title. It's a job. Right. Um, and her being able to figure this out by herself is really nice. It's important. Yes. yes. Um, um, I would read ten more books about Ekaterin. Me, <clears throat> Ekaterin Borkos again. Me too. You and know what I didn't know I wanted until right this moment. Oh no! What? A Cordelia Ekaterin adventure. Oh Jesus! Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We don't get and, we don't get enough of them together. No, no. I want a healthy mother-in-law dynamic. Right. We see so much about horrible mother-in-laws. Yes, we do. Um, and I feel like Cordelia would be a wonderful mother-in-law. Oh my gosh, she'd be the most amazing mother-in-law. Right? She'd be so good at it. Right? I want Cordelia to be my mother-in-law. I mean, she's sort of Corrine's mother-in-law. And we see like how well she like was with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I no, I now. want I want um Cordelia Ekaterin adventures. Uh I can't wait to read Gentleman Joel and the Red Queen. I know, I'm excited about it. I mean we have to get through Cryoburn first. Yeah. Which is yeah. gonna be sad. Shh. Spoilers. <laughs> I, I just I mean I just we just need to prepare everybody emotionally speaking. Yep. 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 Um I need to prepare myself emotionally yeah. speaking. Yes. I think this book is the first mention of the District Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we obviously know about the Municipal Guard because of Roic, but I don't right. think we know. I've it. never I never have heard of the Rangers before. Yeah. Um, it's also like we see how Miles like is basically acting as Count, even though he's mm-hmm. not Count, because Piotr is off on Sergiar and no, Miles. Errol is on. Yeah, Sergiar. whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yoder's dead, like, <laughs> almost 20 years. He's so at Verkozigan Serlo. That is impressive. <laughs> he's in Verkozigan Serlo. Yep. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> I, I do, I do. Um, I, there was a line I just wanted to remark on that was mm-hmm. speaking of Piotr. When um, he didn't make any burnings. Oh, yes. For his family, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, this was burning enough yeah. when they were all just torched. Yeah. Which is, I was like, oh, hi, yowch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. You're, I get it. You're right. Yeah. Um, I, that just sort of stuck with me. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? You, you just read the story, so it's very fresh in your mind. today. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I, again, I will. I would read anything from Ekaterin's perspective. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, not that I don't love Miles, but I 
I mean, I do love Miles, which is why I love a Katarin. Yes. Um, I like having more female voices. Yes. Um, I thought the plot was, it was, you know, it was very straightforward. It wasn't one of the uh, long meandering mm-hmm. plots, but I don't know. It It felt... It felt very Russian to me this yeah. time around. Like sometimes I know they're all influenced by that, but this one felt particularly Russian. Right. Um, which for, sets a better place for me. Like I can see it all in my head really clearly. Yeah. Whereas sometimes with the space stations, it looks like it's in Star Wars or, um, you know, I'm taking some other set piece. Yeah. Um, but this was very clearly a space I understood and making the allusions to Baba Yaga and all. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. It's a quick read, mm-hmm. um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. Yay, I'm glad. I was waiting for yep. you to read this one, so I'm glad yep. that you I was, enjoyed I'm it. Glad that we, I'm glad that we did all these together. Yes. And now we get the, the, the last two together. Yay. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, those are the three stories we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Miles and a Katarin's relationship. Uh, yep. Almost the whole of it, basically. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about in the last two months. Yes. I like them. They're I one of too. my favorite couples. Me too. Yes. Um, so yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining us for episode 12 of yes, the Vorkosa Gas. A whole year, guys. A whole year. That's crazy. I know. Crazy talk. Uh, join us next time as we finally dive deep into the mind of Captain Ivan Borpatrol, who we learn oh, is definitely not, not an, an idiot. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. We will see you then. Bye. The Vercosa Cast is a Tashi Station podcast brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Tashi Station for more details. And we thank you all for supporting the show. Follow us on Twitter with the handles at Nancy Pants, at R underscore A underscore Smith, and at Tashi underscore Station. Subscribe to the show on iTunes via the Tashi Station Master Feed or the Tashi Station Book Club Feed. And don't forget to leave us a review. Forward Momentum!